We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, November 14th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. James, it is a nine-year anniversary of... Brandon Jennings, 55-point ah, game. Okay, okay yeah, yes. Of course. So, no, 129-125 win over the Golden State Warriors, who at the time were starting Kalina Azubuki uh, and Mikey Moore, among others. AC Law played 24 minutes in that game. Uh, but Brandon Jennings, 55 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, 4 turnovers. Was future, was future Buck Monte Ellis playing in that game? He was. Monte Ellis uh, responded with 26 points of his own. I wonder. Um, I wonder who was guarding Brandon Jennings for most of that game. Tough to say. 
you know um might Mike, have, might have even Moore, been Matt Dallas. Mikey Moore didn't really do a whole <laughs> lot of resistance there um but 34 shot attempts for Brandon Jennings seven of eight from three which doesn't really seem like all that many I feel like he took closer to like 18 threes in that game uh but for me and being in high school at the time that was kind of a where were you when type of moment I I I loved that game. I was a huge Brandon Jennings fan like Same before here. the draft because of, you know, the flat top, the fact that he was going to go to Arizona and made the awesome move of playing totally his overseas. call had nothing to do with academic uh, or anything no, like that. That was all his, that was all him. Yep. Um but I mean like my two fa- at the time, my two favorite options if I were like a a top recruit would have been Arizona or playing uh overseas and like one of the kind of more fun overseas environments which i believe right yeah like so uh that's pretty fun so i'm already just all in on this guy then the bucks take him with the 10th pick and he comes out from behind the curtain he was like i'm not going to the green room this is stupid and Mm -hmm. then when he goes in the lottery obviously gotta gotta walk on stage and uh after this game i just remember thinking wow like this this guy's gonna be uh one of the great bucks of all time. Yep, and, and he was. Turns out he was. You <laughs> were completely right. No, he. I mean, he's one of those guys that I, his career has been an objective disappointment relative to where he was drafted. You know, he's. I don't his, know about that. Well, let me continue. For his <laughs> career, he's like a thirty-eight percent shooter from the floor, thirty-four percent from three. Like the numbers aren't good. You know, the efficiency isn't great. He's had injuries. Like it's been a disappointment overall. But at the same time, I also don't feel like he's a bust. Like it was so fun a, for like a year and a half that it was worth it. I think he's had a better career in terms of the way any player would define a career than your average number ten pick. Like I sure, like yeah. he's made more money than your average number ten pick. He's probably gotten more shots off in games than your average number ten pick. Yeah. I mean, he's he's done pretty well for for a typical 10 pick he's had a objectively far better career than three guys who were taken ahead of him uh number two who seemed to beat <laughs> number six in that draft was johnny flynn and number eight in that draft was jordan hill and the other six guys taken ahead of brandon jennings were blake griffin james harden tyreek evans ricky rubio steph curry and marta rosen so it turned out to be a pretty solid top 10 you know obviously i think the beat was kind of the big exception there yep i would i would concur with that okay well all right well continuing with our brandon jennings podcast uh let's move into 2010 through 2012 no um we're presented as always by draftkings.com should have said that at the top uh but we are that's a fact uh we'll start with the the warriors stuff um you probably haven't heard about this yet but it turns out that kd and draymond got into it uh, at the end of the game against the clippers the other night um you know obviously you know the story we were watching the Stephen A. show uh, on TV in the <laughs> office here before recording, and one of the callers called in, and it sounds like it's time for Golden State to trade KD. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's so. Where's he going? Obviously, not going to happen. But uh, it's a you know, it's a pretty explosive situation, uh, just in terms of the Stephen A. show or the. No. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point. Uh, you got me there. Uh, but this this was supposed to just be kind of a another season where Golden State just has a bunch of fun and you know they got Boogie Cousins now keeping everything light and uh, everyone's and it kind of starts that way right where 
Yeah. Like everyone's just kind of taking turns scoring 50 points. They're and making fun of the Fergie national anthem. Yeah. Boogie yeah, looks yeah. like he's having a great time. Boogie's playing Peacemaker Boogie, in this whole thing. Boogie's stock is so far up right now as a as a teammate by just his the way the way he's conducting himself on the bench. Um so we'll see if that carries over uh, once he actually gets into mm-hmm. uniform, but um yeah, it it really kind of hit a snag the other night. It's you could kind of so all the stuff that's come out like since the actual game, like everyone sort of knows, like they those two had kind of been semi beefing like before the game and everything. But I like kind of just gathered that from just that one play because the only re- like Draymond's one of the smartest players in the league. Like the only rationale for him not giving that to Durant is like I'm pissed at you. And I don't want you to have right. the ball here, like, because it's not like he didn't know that just letting Durant take the ball up was an option. There, he took that. Well, uh, he saw Durant too. Yeah, like, there's no like. Part of me almost respects Draymond for getting the rebound, looking off Durant, who is clapping. You know, obviously you can't hear it on the broadcast, but he's clearly yelling to Draymond, like, "Give me the ball." But Draymond why? runs up court, falls over, turns it over. <laughs> Takes no responsibility for the situation, and then, yeah, you know, verbally assaults the player who he clearly should have given the ball to, and then you know it turns into this. Like it's, you got to respect. I, no one else in the I don't, can get away with this. I, I don't know if respect's the right word, but like it's very, uh, you know, he he's not kind of back, backing down from like not being at fault in that situation, even though like not only, even if you're just really pissed at Durant, he had clay thompson trailing which would have been like kind of the obvious next best option he could have just kind of uh left yeah. it off to to clay over his right shoulder uh so just a, a horrible play all the way around even if you were to just remove durant from uh from the play uh but yeah i i think it was probably a long time coming for those two that this was going to boil over just because i think draymond takes it very personally that Durant would even consider leaving, especially since he was kind of the number one recruiter of bringing right. him in. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's just a a very unique situation. Um, mm. I can completely understand why Durant would want to leave because it just doesn't seem like he's like he's just not respected there the same way that i think he thought he might be by going there uh See, that's what i was gonna ask like did you did he really genuinely think did people around him tell him like people will be totally fine with this decision nobody will think it's soft well i all. thought like, he how would did he not? i thought he just wanted to i thought he wanted to get away from russ i thought he wanted to live in a much cooler part of the country and i thought he wanted to play on a team that like plays the right way and i think he kind of got all of those things but also some things kind of popped up that he maybe wasn't expecting where he's just not getting as much credit for the success like I mean Mm. if you're a player as good as him like no matter like unless you're Steph Curry who just weirdly is is just kind of immune to these types of things like he's got a good man him and Iggy and Clay yeah like he you expect to kind of be treated like the star you are and like the, i mean he's a top 10 player of all time probably already like and he right. just doesn't well, he's he kind is of taken treated for like that but like, it's different when you have to split it with four other right. three so other I, hall I, of fame i don't think he like sort of expected or i don't think he kind of factored that part of the equation in like to play on a team that plays the way they do like you kind of just have to be right. part of the team and be okay sort of blending in uh night to night and 
so yeah, it, it's it's fascinating. They're now going to be without Curry for a few more games. So mm-hmm. uh, Durant and Draymond are going to have to carry the load. Uh, It'll be very interesting <laughs> if they if they go like five hundred over these next four or five games. Well, it's just a, another reminder why, um, you know, I think, man, did we both take the, I can't remember if we took the over or the under on them before the season, but it's just kind of when you get to this uh, stretch of kind of a dynasty where it's just, you just have literally nothing mm-hmm. to prove in the regular season. Everyone's got a ton of recent mileage on them. Uh, taking the under, typically uh, a smart play just because this has already popped up where you know they're losing games they should win even without Steph and we don't know that like they don't have any reason to rush Steph back so um yeah I mean they might they might win you know 55 games this year 54 games which given the talent on the team might seem like a a big time underperformance but they're just winning regular season games is just in such you know like a backseat right now to, to everything else that's going on so we both took the under. I brought up the document. We took the under on 63 and a half. I, obviously, I feel good about that now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, at the same time, though, after watching them for the first like week and a half, if you would have told me that they start the season like 18 and 0, that seemed like it might have been in play, especially with the team like Houston, you know, Utah, not well, looking great out of the gates. And also just the fact that, you know, 56 wins might get you the one seed. And right. so there's just not going to be any real real reason, I don't think, down the stretch for them to really push for 60 wins. So, uh, yeah, that that's that's probably going to hit. Um, I think that the the KD like where KD leaves, does he leave? Stuff is just going to be a major major story like from here on out until the end of the season, just because that's just the way the NBA works. Where whenever there's a top five or six player that's about to hit free agency, mm-hmm. that just becomes the sort of story until it's solved well it was i mean it was going to be a story either way lebron it had been the story with lebron for the last four years because he was doing these one-year deals mm-hmm. um and then you know with him you know sticking himself in la for four years that's just off the table so it, it kind of you know shifts over to durant but i didn't really think it was an overpowering story you know i mean it was something that was going to be talked about no matter what but then if you read marcus thompson's piece you know in the athletic this morning which is kind of the definitive, you know, tell-all, I guess, for lack of a better term, on this whole ordeal. You know, it says that, or it implies, that there, you know, there are people on the Warriors, people in the organization who didn't like the way that Durant was approaching it, felt like he wanted attention, you know, felt like he was kind of bringing this upon himself as far as the media attention that that comes with being a free agent. Maybe there are things that we didn't see, but like to me, I don't, I don't think Durant is gone you know way out of his way you know every time it's been brought up he said the right things for the most part I mean unless you want him to go up there and say I'm going to resign with the Warriors and then maybe renege on it in six months you know I don't really know what else he could have done differently there so I mean generally I I hate to side with KD in in almost any sort of argument Um, but you know I mean clearly Draymond should have passed on the ball and probably shouldn't have brought this up you know between the end of regulation and overtime uh, of a close game against a pretty good team in the Clippers. Yeah, this is. I think this is the second pot in a in a in a row where I'm I'm sticking up for the guy who didn't react, but was like, you know, last week it was Jamal Murray versus Kyrie, and like I I think I sort of had Jamal Murray's back there for the most part, just because it's like Kyrie, like what? Who cares? Draymond, like 
you screwed up. You don't even have to just own it, but to go like complete 180 and go from right. just not owning it to like, no, man, it was you. Like, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> that's it's it's un uh, unnecessary for mm-hmm. sure. But I, I think that there's uh, there are a lot of I think basketball reasons and just legacy reasons mm-hmm. why I would leave if I was KD. I just think that there's. Um, you know, it might be time for a next chapter because there's really, it seems like there's a shelf life to how yes. uh, lo- much longer this kind of core can uh, have fun while winning these titles. Mm-hmm. So, well, the, the strange thing that's happened with the Warriors that didn't necessarily happen with LeBron's Heat. I was watching that uh, basketball love story documentary last night, and it was the the segment that basically focused on. It started with like LeBron leaving for Miami and kind of went through the end of last year's finals. I. Maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember it as everybody hated the Heat in 2010-11, the first year. Like, worse than I think the Warriors even got it, and LeBron especially. But as soon as he beat OKC, there were still people who who didn't like LeBron, obviously. But, like, the Heat became somehow cool. Like, they went from being villains to being cool. And I think most people wanted them to win when they beat the Spurs in 2013. And, like, when LeBron got his first title, the tide changed, you know, even in the way that he was marketed. Um I don't know. I I don't think I don't what I'm saying is that. Kevin Durant didn't go through the same thing. Like he won the he won you know the back-to-back finals MVPs and it hasn't changed his standing in the who's the best basketball player in the league debate, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I think he views himself as the best as he probably should, but him winning two straight finals MVPs, him dominating for a really good team, nobody's like there's not a single person out there who's saying that he's better than LeBron or even is the best guy in his own team definitively. So like to me if there if you're searching for a reason to leave Golden State, that's probably a pretty high up there. Yeah, and you're still in your prime to the point where uh you could theoretically win a title still as the clear best player on your team. Right. Like if you go to the right situation where there's just a lot of nice role mm-hmm. players and maybe you get a guy like Kawhi Leonard to join you or something like that. Uh, if you wait much longer, then, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, AD links up with a, a superstar and, like, all of a sudden then you're kind of stuck in a situation mm-hmm. where LeBron was in this past offseason where there was just no – I mean, there were teams he could have gone to where they would have been uh, – t- like, if he'd gone to the Nuggets, they would have been title contenders. If he'd gone to, like, the Bucks, mm-hmm. they would have been title contenders. But uh, – of the places he was considering going to, there was no place he could go to right. and, and be a, a threat to win the title. But what's unique about Durant, like when LeBron left the Heat, or when LeBron left the Cavs in 2010, the Cavs were not his best option. When he left the Heat in 2014, it was pretty clear that they were on the way down. When he left the Cavs this past summer, I mean, look at them now. You know, he he's always jumped to yeah, a better no, they, option. They blew out the Hornets last night. Right. Well, let's, <laughs> we'll not even get into that. Well, I, I could do a whole pod on those, on those new city uniforms. Like, LeBron, it was always fairly justifiable for basketball reasons why he would leave. You know, there were obviously other things at foot. Like, with KD, he's objectively leaving the best basketball situation to go to a worse basketball situation only for, like, legacy reasons, right? And just, like, to be to be kind of the man, like, and be yeah. seen as the man. Like, it's not... Uh, it's just a very... It'd be a very image-conscious it's a, decision. Well, it's almost kind of like, you know, he joined this... The guys that were there before him are tighter, like as like a trio or yeah. as a, you know whoever you want to include in that. Um, he's sort of an outsider to them because he didn't, 
you know, he didn't kind of go through all the initial struggles mm-hmm. of getting the first ring and like, you know, dealing with Mark Jackson and all that type of stuff. Uh, and so when push comes to shove, they're kind of all in a corner together. Like they're all just going to have each other's backs mm-hmm. and he's kind of stuck there. I mean, if he's, a, if he's just fine with, uh, not making any waves at all and just doing exactly what uh, the coaching staff wants, like mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty easy for him. But if he wants to kind of make his, his stake on the team, it's going to be difficult. So, I mean, the Knicks seem like the most likely option to me, just given the rich climbing factor and things like that. I mean, if, if it's really about legacy, you know, if, and you're talking about whatever kind of narrative you can, you can spin, you know, he doesn't have a Cleveland to go back to, you know, it, it would be a team like that. The Clippers, to me, would make a lot of sense if it's about market, you know, staying on the West Coast, things like that. I mean, Stephen A. was saying, somebody told him a couple <laughs> weeks ago that, that he was going to the Lakers. I think that that is 30th out of 30 on things that Kevin Durant should do, is right. team up with LeBron James and the Lakers. Like, could you? Have, the optics were pretty bad when he left OKC to go to Golden State. Imagine leaving that Golden State team to go team up with LeBron. Yeah, I... I don't think we can rule it out just because he's been known to make uh, perplexing decisions before. But this to me is like when last summer people were saying LeBron was going to go to Golden State. This that registers on the same level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it would just be insanity to go play for the Knicks as long as James Dolan still owns them. But I also understand that you know players may not kind of have the like 4,000 feet up type of view mm-hmm. of that situation. They might just be like, well, I love New York. Like I, yeah. I have fun when I'm in New York. Yeah. And The owner doesn't have that much of an effect. <laughs> it doesn't matter that they've just been horrific for the past yeah. 20 years, even though it's New York City <laughs> and it's like the, the second biggest brand in the league. I love Kazoo music. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the Clippers, I think you put him on the Clippers and you add, because they just really have only made smart, either signings or trades ever since Jerry West kind of went there. And you could just bring in Kevin Durant, make a couple shrewd acquisitions, not even add. You wouldn't even have to add Kawhi. And I think you mm-hmm. make a run at 55 wins with that team. So I, I think that that one, to me, makes a ton of sense if you just want to leave but don't want to be on a bad team. Mm-hmm. But – I mean, who really knows? Well, the other factor here, and this came up when when KD left OKC, you know, there was, okay, Golden State's going to be unbeatable. But at the same time, in him leaving OKC, they also, you know, him him leaving that team destroyed their biggest competition in the West. Him leaving Golden State all of a sudden opens it up for just about everybody else. Like Golden State, if they keep Curry, Clay, Draymond, and then, you know, you use whatever money you have available to, to maybe add someone else to replace Durant, you know, not a superstar, but, you know, an, an average wing. They're still going to be a top two or three team to me if Curry's healthy. Um, but all of a sudden, like wherever Durant goes, that team is probably in the top three in whatever conference. You know, like I, I it, there, it, it's kind of been ingrained in us that you have to build this team to beat the Warriors for the last four years. Like a team like Embiid, Simmons, Butler, historically that trio is it would be like the shoe in favorite to win the title. And we're looking at them like, yeah, maybe they're third or fourth in the East. They they still can't beat Golden State. Like. You take Durant away from Golden State, all of a sudden everything opens up, and no matter where KD goes, he's good enough that all of a sudden that team is a contender, which is not something you could say about these other teams right now, given you know the current state of the Warriors. And I think what also is going to allow it to 
get really, really wide open uh, once KD leaves is uh, I would still pick the Warriors as the favorites, assuming everyone's healthy entering the season, but they're just going to have even another year's worth of like a final run on, on their uh, odometers and the, everyone's going to be a year older. Uh, but also all these just up and coming, like could be juggernaut type of teams, like the Nuggets, the Bucks, the Raptors, uh, the Pelicans, those are all in markets where just it's really tough to see. Like I think the Bucks re-signed Chris Middleton, and then they just kind of run it back. Uh, but other than that, like, are any of those teams really going to bring in like some sort of a difference maker on the the free agent market? Like they're just kind of they're stuck sort of building mm-hmm. with what they have and trying to fill in around. Uh, you know, if, if they could convince some guy like you know Kawhi Leonard to leave Toronto and go play in like Denver, then all of a sudden maybe that team's the favorite. But that's that's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. I could actually see a case where the Raptors are just the clear, clear uh, number two team if if Durant were to leave, just because they have so many young players that are ascending. But you know, maybe Boston really figures it out, and and they they're the top team. So I mean, it, it's it's really wide open if if Durant leaves. It's just going to be back. It's going to be fun when things go back to like going into the year and there's like legitimately seven or eight teams that could win the title it's been a very long time you can even lump the heat into that like it's been a long long time since things have felt wide open i mean mm-hmm. you probably have to go back to 2010 right like i don't remember thinking that those well, you, heat or lit i never or thought teams were destined i never thought Celtics like initially. the heat were definitely gonna win i but thought like they, they were, were gonna definitely there. gonna get there right. yeah yeah like i you know we could be not that far away from a situation next season like let's say durant goes to nyc um, I don't know why I called it that, New York. It's actually longer to say NYC. Um, if he goes to New York, all of a sudden both conferences are, I wouldn't say wide open. Like I said, I'd still stick with Golden State. But, I mean, you would feel considerably less you know, solidified about them winning the West than you would any time in the last like four or five years. And that's, I mean, the stakes are just so high mm-hmm. uh, for those other teams to not screw it up and right. just kind of only make smart moves between now and then mm-hmm. because – you could just be one move and one injury away from everything just being wide open. All right, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about Playline.com, the fastest-growing gaming platform in the space where you have a chance to win a million dollars for free every day. They have over a billion dollars in prizes available this year. It was founded by UFC champion Michael Bisping and two-time NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Playline.com is fantasy sports simplified. Unlike more traditional DFS sites, which require you to set complicated and tedious lineups using a salary cap. You got to worry about injuries, players being benched out of nowhere. Playline doesn't make you deal with that. It picks the players for you, and it only requires you to predict their stat lines. How many points will KD score tonight? How many rebounds will Draymond Green have? How many assists will Chris Paul get? Lock it in, make those predictions, and just wait for your winnings. For a limited time, Playline.com will be offering a 200% initial deposit bonus. Again, that's a 200% initial deposit bonus they'll triple your money you simply cannot beat that anywhere else to get that bonus all you have to do is use our promo code nba millionaire all caps one word nba millionaire carmelo anthony i feel like we've had we've just this has been building for like a full week because all this mellow stuff you know that came out right after we recorded the last podcast he's still away from the rockets it sounds like that's going to be done pretty much anytime now i'm expecting that Woj tweet that they're going to waive him or buy him out or whatever i i don't know what the move is here i don't know what carmelo anthony wants i 
you know, you can make a case that he should go back to New York and just shoot 20 <laughs> times a game. I don't know why that would make sense for anybody. Uh, some people have said San Antonio is like the last place that could potentially save him. I don't know what, what does Melo want out of this part of his career? He's 34 years old. He hasn't been good in three or four years. You know, like I, you hear people kind of joke and say like in his mind, he's still a top 15 player. Like I think that that's actually the case. Yeah. I mean, it might be slipping by the day. He might only think he's like an eight, a top 18 player now, but, uh, I think it's just this is finally going to be the rude awakening. Like I, I thought this past off season was going to be the rude awakening, where the Thunder were going to have to uh, have to dump him, and I didn't think any team, or at least any kind of real team, was going to be willing to give him uh, significant minutes. That ended up being not the case. Like one thing I'll say in his defense is that I don't think Daryl Morey's getting enough heat for just. I mean, that was a. It, to me, it looked like a horrible move at the time to bring him in. Yes. And Michael Carter Williams, like I mean that that both those things happened. And Marquise Chris. And, and like he's not getting any heat at all for it. It's just all on Mello for being as bad as we all thought he was going into the year. Like nobody thought he was good except for a couple random people that thought it was like a, a high upside move. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just completely blown up and now they, they're kind of stuck with this situation. And I, I feel like the people that made the decision should be kind of more to blame mm-hmm. than the bad player continuing to be bad. Uh, no, I agree. Well, in the way that they, I, I think there was some element with Maury, especially where it was like, Oh, you guys, you guys can say this isn't going to work out, but you know, it was almost like a, we're smarter than you. We'll figure out a way to make this work. And what's, what's been really strange to me is like the ways in which people thought Mello would succeed, you know, it was like, just be a three point shooter, just spot up and hit threes. Like that's what he's getting the opportunity to do. He's just not making the shots. Like if you watched him in last yeah. year in OKC, like he was bombing away. What? How many threes per game? Six, over six threes a game. A ton of those were wide open. And, you know, he's only able to hit barely barely 35% of them. He's down closer to 32% this year. Like, the whole Olympic mellow idea has basically been brought to fruition. That's he's one of not my hitting the shots. least favorite uh, theories that has ever popped up in terms of uh, just the NBA over the past, like, decade is just this theory that there is such a thing as Olympic mellow outside of the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, it's just... That's not how it works. The at Olympic all. three point line is closer than the NBA line. Like even when the Olympics were happening, Melo thought he was a top five player, but the four players that he might have thought were better than him were all on the same right, team. Yeah. So I mean, uh, he's never going to find an NBA team where he doesn't mm-hmm. think he should be a focal point of the offense. And I think that he's going to realize uh, either today or tomorrow or the next day that uh, there's just no situation out there for him. Like that. How many times have we just seen like Woj reports like Melo Camp exploring? landing spots like what does that, that even mean all that tells me is they're making calls they're trying to find him a landing spot but there right. aren't there aren't landing spots so i, I think he's gonna probably well, i think he's probably gonna retire i think I he's gonna think retire so. i think he's gonna work out a ton and try to like come back or something but he'll uh, play for another team this year i think he'll be on another team How? by the end of the month who I, Somebody will talk themselves into it. No, like they will. I, I think there was only one team that was willing to do that this past offseason, and I think that was the Rockets, just because they were, they thought they just had like the magic potion that was going to make them better. But I tell me, give you have to at least if you think he's going to sign with a team, you have to at least say which team and have it not be completely laughable. 
I mean, I think personally it's completely laughable. I don't think I think there are NBA executives who will very easily talk so. themselves into this. They will look and see that Carmelo Anthony averaged 22 points a game two seasons ago, and somehow was an All Star that season. Uh, obviously, he shot 43 percent from the field, which is the caveat there. There might be like 30, or there might be two or three teams that are still that dumb that they could talk themselves into it. But like the Suns, telling you, man, the Kings, like they're not logical landing spots so there's it's it's a low cost investment at this point you're not taking on Melo's max deal you're taking on you know a minimum deal that's prorated now i'm not saying that the raptors or the warriors or the bucks or the nuggets are going to do it but i don't know like the nets the magic like it's going to be a team like that the problem is Melo wants to go somewhere where he can be mellow and i don't think there's a single team in the league that's going to allow him to do that unless he wants to go and play for cleveland or atlanta it would be kind of funny if he went to the Cavs. Yeah. Or back to Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, the Cavs would be the ultimate. <laughs> I, well, I mean, the other team we can't rule out here is the Lakers. Like, you know you know, LeBron wants him there, oh, which man. says more about LeBron than I anything don't else. Know. I, LeBron I is not don't. a good judge of I don't talent. think he wants him there. I really don't. I think They that... tried to get him this summer. If LeBron wanted him there, wouldn't he be there right now? Well, he's got to get waived first. I'm telling you, I'm worried. I, I think he's going to go there. He's not going to be out of the league. Yeah. He should be out of the league. He's not going to be. I mean, the problem, and I've said this before, I don't know how much you agree with it. I think it's tough for Melo and Wade and you know, like probably would be Bosch if he was healthy to see someone from their draft class still playing at a top three level like LeBron is. You know, you can, like, in Melo's mind, he's like, we're on the same level. I've been coming up with LeBron you know, for years. Like he's still considered an MVP candidate, and I'm you know barely yeah. getting six man minutes. For I'm just team. saying, like, there's I think it's so much to come to grips with. That. I think there's so much evidence in his face now that wasn't in his face two weeks ago. Like that, it's even he's got to be readjusting uh, where reality is because I think he, I think he definitely came into the season thinking of like that Rockets team as like a big three with him and Harden and Chris Paul, but he's now negotiating a buyout they were about to play uh gary trent over him like i at what gary more clark. or gary clark over him what more evidence do you need if you're if you're mellow to realize yeah. that well i mean i think you got to consider who we're dealing with you know like obviously the numbers and the evidence for two years now have suggested that you know he's not a good fit um i mean i thought it was also interesting there was a story i think either late last week or early this week you know about when they played they played uh okc and like Russ came into the locker room looking to talk to Harden and you know some other guys that he's friends with like didn't even acknowledge Carmelo like Melo just walked right out as if they had never even met each other which I thought was interesting not not that it's like shocking that those two aren't best friends um but you know I I feel like we were led to believe that that went a little bit better last year than it probably actually did I think it just is strictly about uh a, a guy on your team being terrible and you not liking playing with that terrible yes. player. Like I think that well, and that guy he not was acknowledging that he's terrible. I, right. I think, I think Russ and even like Harden were more than open to the, it just right. becoming a great working relationship. But then when the guy just sucks that hard and you right. lose games because of it, it's hard to kind of do that when you don't have any kind of 10 year track record with the guy, like the way that LeBron does mm-hmm. or the way that Chris Paul does. All right, we are in the midst of week five of the fantasy basketball season. And once again, we are partnered up with DraftKings.com to bring you free Roto-Wire six-month subscriptions. 
All you have to do is go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings, sign up for a new account, and make a deposit of at least $10. You will then get six months of access to all tools and sports on rotowire.com, which includes DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season draft software, and much more. You get all that for $10. You can then enter into contests on DraftKings.com and win even more. We're super excited to bring you this deal again, I think for the third consecutive season. And if you want access right away, go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Just follow the instructions. That's rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. New DraftKings users only. See DraftKings.com for details. Do we have any coaches to put on Patino Watch? Uh, Celtics? No. Brad Stevens? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Tibbs is kind of like permanently on it until we say he's not. So I don't think we really need to get into that. Hoiberg, I think, Hoiberg, is still on yeah, it. The usual suspects for the most part. I don't think Walton's off of it yet. Do you Lakers think, have won three straight, but they haven't been pretty. Do you think Fisdale could get onto it before the end of the season? I don't think he's there yet. I don't. But he's doing some weird stuff. Like they're pulling Nilakina from the starting lineup tonight. Right. Uh, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, it, he should be playing. Just strictly Tim Hardaway and the young guys. Yeah, I mean, they know what their goal is, right? So, like, you know, it's to lose games, it's to get another high pick, and they're doing very well so far. But to me, like, benching Neil Aquina for Emmanuel Moutier, you know, is, like, one of those decisions that the front office that just drafted Neil Aquina in the top 10 last year, you know, might have some reservations about. Like, those are the type of things that he kind of has to answer for. It's like, why are you really you know, wasting time trying to develop Emmanuel Moutier over our homegrown guy. Yeah, they're, they're not going to win games either way. I, I don't really see what the benefit is. I think D'Antoni is off Patino watch. Uh, yeah. With this. I don't think he was out on it. He's got, I, I, I put him on it last week, I think. I mean, he's got the, the utmost support from a GM, but new ownership group, you know, could possibly feel differently. Right. I, I just think that the they've kind of – they're out the other end of what could have been a just mm-hmm. horrific start to the season, and they're probably going to cruise to a top four seed now, uh, especially now that they removed their worst rotation player from the rotation. Well, so. I mean, they're still six and seven. They're twelfth in the West. I think that they're fine. I think they're going to go on. I mean, Harden's a little out of shape, which and oh, yeah. hasn't been <laughs> a little bit <laughs> hasn't been as good as he typically is. Yeah. But I think they're just any week now they're going to go on like a. Mm-hmm. Eight of nine, nine of ten type of type of run. Well, they've already won two in a row. They beat, you know, they blew out a pretty good Pacers team. They win in Denver last night by ten. They do have the Warriors at home tomorrow, which is a very interesting game. The Warriors obviously we should be getting Draymond back, but then they go Sacramento, Detroit, Detroit, Cleveland, Washington. I feel like I really could have written the twenty eighteen nineteen uh Houston Rockets season recap before the season started. Like it was just uh like Harden's gonna come in with nothing to prove and just yep. kind of not really caring at all until the playoffs. Melo's gonna be terrible, MCW's gonna be terrible, uh Chris Paul's gonna eventually miss time with injuries. They're not gonna win nearly as many games as they did last year. Like it's just playing out mm-hmm. so perfectly. Um let's talk Markel Fultz. Yikes. Things are not looking good. He's not on speaking terms with celebrity shooting coach and Instagram star uh, Drew Hanlon, who that that guy, I I don't know how he got to where he is. Um, 
you saw the hitch in the shot on Monday against Miami. I think this is kind of rock bottom. His shot never even looked that bad at any point last year. He somehow regressed beyond where he was last year. Um, reportedly, somebody from his camp got in a fight with the shooting coach, and that's leading to them not being on speaking terms. <laughs> He's now out of the starting lineup beginning with tonight's game. You know, they're going Wilson Chandler uh, and obviously Jimmy Butler and then J.J. Redick, which they should have done this. I mean, I think Brett Brown probably knew it from, like, game three that this was going to happen at some point. I mean, this was a team. Their starting five last year had a plus 21 net rating their starting five this year prior to the trade with Fultz swapped for Redick was like minus 1.4, I think. So that's like a 22 point per 100 possession swing. Um, I mean, clearly with, with Fultz, I mean, he hasn't taken a three in, I think, seven straight games. Simmons has not made any effort to improve from three. Um, I mean, it was, and then you trade away your two floor spacers at Covington and, uh, and Saric, and you bring in Butler, you know, who can shoot, but, you know, not, he's not exactly a Covington type of spacer. I think this is clearly the right move. We've, you know, to me, it's most interesting to discuss, you know, not how are they going to be with Jimmy Butler? You know, we'll see. I don't really know. But what, where in like five months is Markel Fultz? Is he the backup point guard for this team? Is he the starting point guard for the Phoenix Suns? Like where, what happens next? Uh, Well, I really, really, really hope that the Sixers are smart enough to kind of learn from their own mistakes because they're by far the biggest recent example of a team having two really, really high-profile uh, prospects from the draft whose value was just diminishing by the week, and they just refused to to cut bait in Jaleel Okafor and Nerlens Noel. Like They kept holding out for a trade that just wasn't there, and it got to the point where there was no trade there. They just had to kind of dump both of them. And I think right now... You could trade Markel Fultz and get a rotation wing who hits threes. And I think that that's literally all you should be focused on doing with him. Like there's sure you, you know, if you weren't contending this year, you didn't have the spacing problems you had. You could try to do some sort of uh, underperforming prospect for underperforming prospect challenge trade, or you could, uh, I don't know, you could get creative with it, but given where this team is, given the fact they just brought in Jimmy Butler and, and giving those floor spacing issues you mentioned, uh, and the fact that there's I, – I really think it's difficult to argue that Marco Fultz being on the floor is ever going to help them uh, in the next year or so. Uh, it just does. It just seems like that's forever mm-hmm. away. So I would be looking at calling a team like the Magic, calling a team like – maybe the Hawks or start a group chat with the sucky the Suns, Yeah. Like, uh, get a, get a, uh, yeah. Google chat type of thing going <laughs> with, uh, the, the three worst teams in the league and just say like, all right, how, how do we want to do this? Uh, yeah. You guys know, <laughs> give me your offers. No, it's like, uh pretty unprecedented, right? Yes. I mean, there's so there's like four different parts of this whole story that are unprecedented, but the well, whole the, thing as a whole, the most impressive unprecedented thing is just the guy going from this, um, fearless scorer to a guy that just looks like he's got the complete yips like that's a baseball pitcher thing that happens like occasionally has I don't think it's happened in a while but like there have been cases where just a a really high pedigree pitcher just can't throw strikes anymore shout out to Rick Ankeel yeah Rick Ankeel uh wrote an entire book on it I'm sure Marco Fultz will get to write a book in 25 years uh but big big book guy (laughs) but voracious uh, reader (laughs) it's just you know, I think 
the the smart move in in hindsight was to trade him this past off season, uh, and it's gonna if they wait another four or five months, it's gonna be like, well, the smart move was to trade him yeah, right exactly. after we traded Jimmy Butler. Well, so. I was gonna say like, yeah, you're definitely right. The smart move, knowing what we know now, they should have dealt him, you know, the first day that you can trade players in the off season. But, you know, the, I mean, clearly the thinking and at the right time, it was probably the right thinking was, OK, you know, we got to take our chances. Like his value is it can't get any well, lower than back it is then. Right now. Back then, they could have probably gotten like the number 10 pick in the draft yeah. or like even like the number eight pick in the draft right. or something like that. Or like, at least another young, you know, prospect type of player. Yeah, there, are, there were teams out there that before he started working with Drew Hanlon would say, all right, we can get him into our organization and we'll get him shooting like he was yeah, a year ago. I mean, we, we know kind of clearly uh, that the, you know, like the Spurs probably were not high on him uh, when they were no. shopping Kawhi Leonard. Like there were definitely probably some smart teams that were just like, we probably can't fix this guy. Like we don't, we're not going to take on this risk. But I bet there were, you know, 10, 12 teams that would have given up a legit asset, a legit, you right. know, ascending asset for him. Now, like the idea of, them even getting a guy like McCall Bridges from the Sun seems like they drafted un- unreasonable <laughs> to me. Yeah, like the, I'm, I, I I don't even know if the the Pistons would say yes on like a Luke Kennard deal. Like so, it's, no, it's I don't think so. You're you're talking about guys like uh, the the best one for one that I could find was Terrence Ross on the Magic, which I know yeah. if you're for whatever reason a Markel Fultz fan and you're listening to this, uh, if I was a Markel Fultz fan, I just would not consume any yeah, media would, right I'd now. But um, but yeah, I, mean, it, I think Terrence Ross. At least, at least you know you're getting a wing that can stretch the floor and can play like 24 minutes a night for right. you, and that's really what you should be looking to do. Well, they're in a weird spot. Like going back to the McCall Bridges thing, they clearly probably regret trading that, right? I mean, they basically swapped him for to Zyre get like Zaire Smith, who got hurt. You know, maybe if Zaire Smith's healthy, we're not saying that, but like they could really use a McCall Bridges type right now. And yeah. now they're probably going to have to trade Markel Fultz because he's their only real asset remaining well they i mean they have picks they could trade but they need yeah. to just well, they, they're not trading that kings the, the longer they need to trade him for just a variety of reasons like the, right. he's technically sure he's an asset but the longer you hold him the worse his value gets and you can't play him really like i, I know they're okay. gonna play him off the bench technically but his value is gonna dip every yes. single game from here on out well and it dips specifically for them because of who their point guard is like markel fultz is the worst possible fit for that team specifically because their point guard also doesn't shoot right you know like he it would be a problem no matter what but if he was on the celtics it would be less of a problem because you have everyone else on the court who can shoot like it's just it's such a bad situation for their specific goals and now when adding butler you're very clearly shifting into we need to win right now mode where you know they were they wanted to win and were clearly going to win with their previous core but now you're you're shifting it into another gear and keeping him around in this like developmental role and the fact that they're moving him to the bench kind of speaks to this just doesn't really make sense anymore. So I mean obviously it's a huge tough pill to swallow to trade a number 1 pick for a guy like Terrence Ross but that's what that team needs if they want to win now and clearly that's the direction they're going and I think that's just kind of something they're going to have to do at some point. So do you think they are smart enough and comfortable enough to do that i would say i think like the cutoff really is kind of uh if they wait past christmas then there's just no realistic excuse for that but i could see them waiting at least until uh players are able to be dealt that yeah whatever that cutoff is and i think so just give yourself the most possible options but but like 
do you think they're going to be smart enough to trade him before the end of the year, or do you think that they are? Do you think they trade him either before the end of the year, before the deadline, or is he still on the team in the offseason? I think they'll trade him before. Well, they'll trade him before the trade deadline, obviously, right? I mean, that's kind of. You think that's a given? It's not definitely not a given, but I think that's what they will do. I think okay. this is trending like you know very steeply in the wrong direction and i think i think you if there's a chance you could wait long enough to where you can't even get a guy you would give 20 minutes a game to in a playoff series for him i mean it's it's going to become local for that's yeah right exactly uh and if but that might be like three months from now (laughs) no that's what i'm saying i think i think they're going to recognize that i think them taking him out of the starting lineup like they've you know, coddled is probably not quite the right word, but they've really been they've been as cool about this as they possibly can for the last year and a half. And like their patience is very close, I think, to running out mm-hmm. and they've set him up, you know, it, to succeed in every possible way. They've started him, even though it's hurting their team. And they're, you know, they're kind of at wit's end, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, and this this whole this whole trade and pulling him from the starting lineup, I think is like the final wake up call. It's like you have you have a month and a half to figure this out get yourself in order, stop posting these weird Instagram stories at all times or you're out of here, you know? And like, it's probably going to get to the point that it's best for both sides to just separate. But I mean, when you look back at just like that, we're there already. Right. Oh, of course. But I mean like just the net loss of trading a number one pick who you traded up to get, um, you know, and it's looking with Sacramento, you know I mean? It's looking like, you know, I I was joking, but I was actually kind of serious, I guess at the time before the year that there's a pretty legitimate shot that Philly could get the number one pick this year because Sacramento would be that bad. It's pretty clear that they're not going to be bad enough mm-hmm. for them to even get that pick. That's probably going to go to Boston. Um, so there's just no incentive really in this for Philly. What's really bizarre, I mean, there's so many bizarre angles to this, but the two, the guy who went right after him, Lonzo Ball, is the one who, like, if someone said in a year and a half, this guy just can't shoot. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not shooting threes. He has no shot, you know, because everybody was making fun of the way he shot the ball. He's the one shooting 37% from three. And Fultz is the one who hasn't taken a three pointer in the month of November. Like it's, it's rough. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't really know where this goes. I mean, I think where are you at on the Jimmy Butler deal? As far as you know, was that the right move for Philly for now? I think it was. Oh, um, yeah. No, I think I think it it made sense for both sides. I mean, I think the Timberwolves should have done it. Uh, I mean, everyone has said this, but I'll as a big Josh Richardson mm-hmm. fan, I'll say it too. Uh, they should have taken that heat deal back when yes. it was on the table. Yes. Um, I, I think, think it's a decent deal for both sides. I think it works at this point. Like I can't imagine them have been doing any better uh, on a trade like that. Obviously they were looking for players that could help them right now. So, that, I mean, I think they got a couple of those uh, for Philly. Uh, this has also been echoed other places, but you know, they were going to have to kind of pick a guy to try to go either a guy or a couple guys to sign here uh, before they have to extend Embiid and Simmons. And if you don't think you're going to get Kawhi, you don't think you're going to get Durant, you don't think you're going to get Clay Thompson, uh, then whoever you're going to be giving that money to isn't going to be as good as Jimmy Butler Mm -hmm. and you – even if you know, like I think they probably know, like the last year or two on Butler's deal are going to look pretty rough when they when they do extend him. But at least you get, you know, a a guy that you can mm-hmm. push for sixty plus wins with this year, next year, and the year after. Um, right. And you weren't you weren't going to get that guy 
on the market. I don't think, I don't think any of those guys were coming. I don't think Jimmy Butler was coming. Like if they didn't trade for him. So, and you, they weren't even going to get Chris Middleton. So no, I agree. Uh, who were they going to spend that money on? It was probably going to end up looking uh, as bad or worse than whatever they end up giving Butler. Yeah. I mean, I think it became clear to them, as we just said, that Fultz wasn't going to be the third guy. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I think Kevin O'Connor on the ringer pod the other day said like, he's like the legitimate best case scenario right now is Markel Fultz becomes Sean Livingston, which is incredibly like devastating to say, but also true. Um, like the, the dream of him being that third guy is just not there, you know, like at best he becomes a contributing role player. Um, and like you said, I mean, I think they got burned last summer, you know, they had the cap space, they were, you know, allegedly in play for LeBron, you know, Paul George never really considered them like they thought he would. Kawhi obviously ended up going to Toronto. Um, so I think they just, they just decided like, we're just going to be the aggressor and I'm with you. I th- I would not want to pay Jimmy Butler when he's 34, 35 years old. I mean, he's already missing, 15 20 games a year when he's 28 years old um but at the same time i mean i think they kind of see this as their window and without butler the ceiling just wasn't as high i think now the just absolutely crucial thing like we were talking about with Fultz, is they absolutely need to be able to surround that big three with two knockdown shooters at, at all times because uh you know butler and Embiid can both shoot threes but they're not just you know elite three-point shooters and you need to have two more of those out there Mm -hmm. to give Simmons the room he needs to to really maximize himself and I think that like they kind of go uh in the playoffs like as far as their floor spacing Mm -hmm. allows them to because in the playoffs teams are just gonna play all kinds of stupid defenses on Simmons unless they have to stay home on four shooters at all times so they already have one in J.J. Redick and yeah, if they can try to find a way to turn Fultz into another one, that would go a long way. But if they can't get uh, two and preferably even three um, really knockdown shooters mm-hmm. around that core, I think that they're probably going to come up short with this sort of competitive window. But uh, if they can, those three like defensively can cause so many problems for the mm-hmm. other team, especially once you get into the postseason because teams are going to be able to take away some of their stuff. But I mean, how many teams have that kind of length with their three best players and three players that all uh, try pretty hard on the defensive end? Yeah, I mean, we should say, too, they'll be, you know, probably the number one most active team in the buyout market, you know, whether they get someone via trade or not. You know, I think somebody like uh, like Courtney Lee for the Knicks, who's expiring, you know, he hasn't played yet this year, but once he gets healthy, I think he's like a super, you know, relatively high floor, low ceiling type of guy. I mean, just just basically a shooter that Mm -hmm. they can throw out there. And they did it last year too with with Ursan and Bellinelli. Uh, looking at looking at the 2017 draft real quickly. Um, obviously, the number one pick is different. How would that like top four or five shake out right now? Like two of the top five picks are massive disappointments in Fultz and Josh Jackson, who's like barely even a part of the Suns rotation right now. Uh, I think I think Donovan Mitchell goes number one. Mm-hmm. Uh. I still think I think Tatum goes number two. Yeah, those two are a lock at the top two. I think Laurie Markkinen goes three. I, I think that that's probably where we start to mm-hmm. disagree. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I I think he's got like top twenty five ish player in the league type of upside in in his peak years, and he's kind of a forgotten man, obviously because sure. he's out with an injury. But 
the stuff he can do off the bounce, I think, even took me by surprise. Like I thought that he was going to be such a good shooter that he was going to be a, a starter for a long time. But uh, now I think he can be like a 1B type of uh option and then after that it it really kind of goes up in the air i think De'Aaron fox i i, I want to see a little bit more uh just because i don't know how real his uh shooting efficiency is this year uh jonathan isaac really would be intriguing if he could stay healthy he's uh, also been pretty bad when healthy this year for the record i love i love zach collins uh but he he's not really playing a ton yeah. um john collins og ananobi right I mean, Collins and Markinen are the two that haven't played yet. So, like, we don't even like. For all we know, they could be blowing us away if they're if they were healthy and maybe they're. Do you know. do either of the? Well, how many Lakers do you have in your top five? Because I can't decide if I have like one or mm. none. I I would first I would still go Tatum one I think over Mitchell. I mean, those okay. you could you could flip flop. I mean, neither of them have played all that well this year. Tatum's probably been a little more disappointing, but those go those guys are the clear one two in some order. I was pretty low on De'Aaron Fox coming into this year. He's been so much better than i expected like to me him and Markinen are probably three four and then you get into og ananobi kyle kuzma you know like jared allen it's it's still kind of up in the air if these are like real stats or not but he i mean he looks pretty good all things considered especially for a number 22 pick um you know dennis smith's been disappointing but you know by no means a bust um i still like bam out of bio i think i would go i would probably go kuzma five you know, I mean, I, I, it's not like he has like this long-term sky high superstar ceiling to me, but just really good scorer who rebounds pretty well. He's at least trying hard on defense. Like I, I like what I've seen from him generally. I think I go, uh, so I'll go, we have the top two flip-flopped. We have three and four flip-flop where I'll go marking and four Fox mm-hmm. or marking and three Fox four. And I'm deciding between Zach Collins and OJ Ananobi for that fifth spot. I think I think I'm actually gonna go Collins just because I think there's a bit more upside there. Um and I really like the way that he sort of fits as a as a five in today's game, but I, I could see a case for like another half dozen guys. Yeah, I mean we'll I think we'll see an expanded role from him at some point. Like he's just in a in a tough roster situation and you know, in some ways I think the same goes for OG. Like they haven't really unleashed him just because they haven't had to um okay draft stuff real quickly zion williamson um dominant performance against the troops on sunday um the troops actually put up a better fight than kentucky did weirdly enough against this duke team i'm still i would still go rj barrett number one it's going to take a lot to knock me off of that just because i think he's super good and and really really safe and you know when is a really safe guard prospect not worked out going number one um but zion i mean I don't think you could ask for much more through two games in terms of just doing it all defensively. I mean, like we talked about last week, like both of those guys are like 10 out of 10 competitors, at least from what we've seen mm-hmm. so far. There's really no question about motor or effort or things like that, that often plague, you know, elite, elite prospects from a young age. Um, I mean, Cam Reddish has looked really good so far as well. I, you know, there's some talk of like, could this be the first one, two, three ever? It certainly could. I, I wouldn't bet on it. Um, but right now I, I think Zion and R.J. Barrett especially have kind of separated themselves on this own one-two tier at the top. Yeah, I would – it's kind of like would you take this team or would you take the field? I would probably take the field in terms of just one, two, three, but I think that it's – a lot would have to go wrong between now and then for them to not get three in the top five. Yeah. Uh, 
Bull Bull's a guy that is like he's just so weird that if he were to just have a you know a great season and just really not show a ton of weaknesses I could see him creeping into the top two like I could see people talking themselves into like holy crap this guy's gigantic and he can shoot like turnaround threes off the dribble I think everybody (laughs) was like you know you watch his high school tape and it's like yeah this guy should be the number one pick but I think there's just the skepticism of like we've never seen a player actually translate this and dominate at the college level I mean, he. If you watch their first two games, I mean, he legitimately plays like a like a guard or a small forward in that body. Like it is, it's ridiculous to watch. It's like when you create a seven three point guard. <laughs> I don't know if you did this on like NBA Live oh five. Like some of the stuff that he's able to do. I didn't like big men. Okay, uh, well, but you know, everybody had to do it. Sometimes <laughs> you just got to put up like eighty five points in a game with one player. I I mean, if he so, let's say he shoots like, let's say he gets his three point attempts up to to a game and shoots like 32% on the season and blocks three and a half shots a game. Is he outside the top two or is he, does he pass reddish? Does he like it? Where, I think it's going to be really hard to knock off those top two. I, I agree. It's I almost agree. impossible. Like if they play well and bowl plays well, like they're the incumbents, like right. he's, he would have to play a, like exceptionally exceptionally well and i think there just have to be some uh injury concerns with bull Mm -hmm. like long term it's just it's such a big frame that you you have to have that kind of in the back of your mind but that's he's kind of the guy that's emerged the most as as a dark horse for me to get into the top three uh still love uh those wings we've talked about um romeo langford uh quentin grimes and kelton johnson i think those three are you know one could get into the top five maybe even two sneak into the top five but i think all end end up going in the top 10 and they just they're those are those are guys that fit perfectly with with kind of where the nba is right now and we haven't even mentioned nas little who is still coming off the bench for north carolina i don't think that that's ultimately going to hurt his draft stock all that much but his numbers aren't going to look nearly as good as the other guys we've talked about it's a time-honored tradition for a north carolina six man to go in like the top five of the ladder next marvin williams This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.